From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm sitting down with you today. Is that okay? You're like, sure, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Um, We're coming out of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We just finished uh, last, yesterday, last night, and we had a prayer gathering last night, a worship and prayer gathering. Um, Some of you or many of you were in attendance, and I want to thank you for being here for that. And I was kind of reflecting on a word to describe um, that gathering, and I was just brought to Psalms 34, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, I heard it from a number of people that said they could just sit there for forever. It was just a good time in the presence of God, and I love that. I think sometimes when we come to the presence of God, we're expecting something or something magnificent or supernatural, or we're looking to, to walk away from a service and say, whoa, you know, ah, God showed up. And, but I think sometimes we miss the beauty of just kind of taking in his presence, Almost like when many of you would go on a holiday or vacation and you just, you just breathe deep and relax. I, f- I found myself doing that in, in, in prayer last night. It's just kind of breathing in the presence of God. My hope is for you, though, that this um, time of prayer and fasting has been beneficial for your spirit and, and development and faith. And, and I believe that to be true I really do. I think any time that we deny ourselves and, and, and choose to say no to a, a nourishment or an activity, that creates space for God to appear. I was reminded this morning of the disciples and Jesus. Jesus had sent out the, the disciples to go and do ministry, to cast out demons and heal the sick, and he gave them authority. And a man shows up to Jesus, and for whatever reason, the disciples couldn't, according to him, cast out this demon who had possessed his son. And, and so Jesus does what Jesus does, and he casts the demon out. And the disciples say, why couldn't we do this? And he says, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. There's kind of this prerequisite, this, this plan, these things that we need to do ahead of time in prayer and in fasting with the Lord that prepares us to walk in the authority that God has given us. And I think often the church today, at least in the West, lacks authority because we don't spend time in prayer and fasting. We want the action, but we don't want to do the legwork, right? We are byproducts of our culture, the now, now. I want it now. Fast food. I want to, I want to get it. I want to hear. God, I want you to show up right now. But we don't, want to, we don't want to spend time just soaking them in. And I think there's beauty in that. There's beauty in learning just to be in his presence for nothing else other than just his presence. So part of this is we've been looking at um, different prayers in the Bible, and today we're going to look at a prayer from Jonah. We're circling back to Jonah. We, we spent time looking at the, the book of Jonah last year. We went through a series in Jonah, and we're coming back, and we're going to stop and look at it, the prayer that he prayed as he was in the belly of the great fish. And this is one of my favorite Bible stories because I think there's so much in this story of Jonah that we can glean from. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 17. We're going to read that one verse there, and then we're going to jump into his prayer that's in chapter 2. It goes all the way to verse 10. So you have a Bible, turn to your Bible. I'm going to open up mine here. 
says this. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depth, the deep in, in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down to the earth beneath me. Beneath bared me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. In verse 10, the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited at Jonah onto dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for coming together like this, Lord, in your name and in your presence through worship, through your word, through fellowship. Thankful that we can meet together. And we pray, God, as we turn our attention to this text today, that you would speak Holy Spirit to our hearts. Matt spoke from faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God, and that is often through what the Spirit speaks to our heart. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you speak to our hearts today. Or maybe there's somebody here today that's hit a bottom that's in a low spot, and maybe that's because of wrongdoing in their own life. I pray through your will and through your purpose, you would remind them of your grace, and they would call out to you today. And God, we would learn from this scripture, and we learn from the scriptures, and we'd leave here today transformed, deeper in our faith, God, because we're taking steps towards you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week I shared uh, about underdogs, right? The, the less likely to succeed, those stories that, you know, for different reasons we relate to. And the, this morning I, I got another kind of story that we often relate to, and those are those rag-to-riches stories. You know, there's something about those stories that, that we enjoy, the stories that take us through that arc of descent to climbing up back out, hitting the bottom and finding the way back out. They fascinate us, fascinate us because I think they give us hope for our bottoms. Right? There's something about those stories that grip us because they give us hope for the circumstances we often find ourselves in. I don't know if you've ever had a hardship or a difficulty or a challenge or experience where you could say that you hit a low Maybe it was in your career. Maybe it was in a relationship. Maybe it was an endeavor you took on, but you experienced something like a bottom. But the bottoms often make room for us to look up, to make changes, to grow. I had a friend tell me this long ago. I was in a phone call conversation. I can't even remember what the phone call was about. It was a couple years ago, but he made this statement. It stuck with me. He said, it's the valley that gives shape to the mountaintops. Someone in this church often says that it's the setback that God uses as set-ups for his purposes. Ancient Jewish mystics used to say it this way, the descent 
is for the sake of the ascent. When you read the story of Jonah, you see a, a man who's kind of got this, this, this narrative arc going on. You see a man who hit a low, and in the low, he calls out, and God meets him there. And he uses something, the Lord uses something quite unimaginable as provision for the bottom. So the story goes like this. Jonah, he's a prophet. He's called by God to go to the great city of Nineveh, which is this massive pagan city, and preach against it for its wickedness. God is going to judge this city and use Jonah as his mouthpiece to bring this city this word that if they do not repent, they would be destroyed in judgment. Now, Nineveh wasn't your typical city. It was the capital of the Israelian empire, the great enemy of Israel at this time. And they had a reputation for being evil and wicked, specifically to their captives. But despite the reputation, God still loves them and he desires to extend them grace. And I love that because sometimes we can make judgment calls on people based on reputation that they're unworthy of God's love. But God's love extends to all. So Jonah is called by God to go to this city and preach against it. And if you read the story, he resists. He resists the call of God to go. This is his enemy, right? These are the, the people that, that are enemies of his people, and God's going to extend mercy to them? No. He's not having it, and so he he. He resists. Lord, I will go to the places you call me to go when I like it. But when you call me to go to places that I do not like, I am not going. How often is that true of us? I'm with you, Lord, to the end, unless you ask me to do some stuff. It's like this little, like, you know, fine print at the bottom of our vows to God. Unless you call me to do things that I don't like or want to do, like go to my enemies. I don't want to do that. So he resists. And not only does he resist, which is an act of disobedience, by the way, but he goes the extra mile in the other direction. Goes the extra mile in the other direction. He boards a ship for a place called Tarshish which is really hard to pronounce, Tarshish. I feel like that's just going to not roll off my tongue properly. He's hoping to suppress the voice of God through distance. God says, go to Nineveh, and he says no, and he heads in the other direction, the complete other direction. And how often do we try to do that? We, we try to drown out the voice of God by avoiding the places that we know that God will speak. And often it's because there's some unrepentant sin in our life. And so those places make us feel a little uncomfortable. And I think it's because deep down inside we know what will happen. We know what will occur when we're in that spot. Jonah didn't just draw back, but he actually went the other way. Now, scholars actually state that the voyage between Joppa, where he was, and Tarshish would, would have been very costly because of the distance. So he's paying a great price. He's paying a great price to avoid the will of God. And we can get like that, right? We may not flee. We may not physically run. But we numb ourselves with the conveniences of life to avoid the voice of God. 
in small ways. We're not like the Jonah necessarily who says, no, I'm going over here. I'm going to buy a ticket and quite literally go in the opposite direction. But most of us, I would say, as I look around this room, and I know most of us, relatively speaking, we know stories or we know the New Testament. We know what the Gospels teach us to do. And yet, what do we do on a daily basis? We do the opposite. Unknowingly often, because the noise in our life. I heard something the other day. I think it was um, Reinhard Bonnke. Maybe I was wrong. Shouldn't quote that. It said that one of the greatest tactics of the enemy in our generation is to fill the world with noise so that we cannot hear the voice of God. And we like the noise. I was trying to teach my, my kids that we're not going to spend all day on screens because that doesn't create room for boredom. And he's like, well, why would I want to be bored? And I said, because boredom creates space in our minds to want to hear God and to be creative. But we like to fill the space with things. And un- unknowingly to ourselves, that drowns out the voice of God. Like Jonah, we pay for a ticket in the opposite direction that is really costly. And so he goes, he gets on the ship, but the Lord and the Lord, the way the Lord does, he goes after him. He goes after him and he sends a great storm to reroute Jonah, raging waters, howling wind, rain. The crew becomes so frightened that they start throwing cargo overboard. That's when you know that your life is the most important thing, when you're ridding yourselves of anything else to save your life. They're throwing their their cargo overboard, and they start praying to their gods. It says that they start praying each to their own god, each praying to their own deity. And what does Jonah do? Jonah goes down to the bottom of the boat, and he takes a nap. Now, if you catch it, if you read the story, there's a lot of actual comparisons between Jonah's story and the story of Jesus on the boat with his disciples, and a storm comes. Jesus is sleeping on the boat in a storm. But what you'll see is that Jesus is the greater Jonah. So that the Jews at the time of Jesus would have heard the story of Jonah, the great prophet, numerous times. And Jesus, through his example, is given a greater example, showing that he is, in fact, the greater Jonah, because Jesus doesn't sleep because of despair and despondency and avoidance of God. He actually sleeps because he trusts in God. Whereas Jonah is not a man of incredible faith and says, I know that God will take care of me. That's why I'm going to take a nap. As you, as you look at the story, he's actually in a great place of despair and, and despondency. If you look at his state of mind, he's in a bad way. He's, he's spiraling down. They eventually, they go, they go wake him up. They go wake him up, and it's revealed to them that the storm is his doing. And what does he say? He says, throw me overboard. He doesn't even have in himself the strength to just jump out the boat himself. So he's avoided God. He's ran the other way. He's avoided the storm by going down. He's avoided the, the fear of the sailors. He's in a bad state of mind. He's ignoring everything, and he's, he's, he's withdrawing from God, and he's withdrawing from the world, and he doesn't even have the strength to, to jump off the boat himself. He says, throw me over. And the, the sailors being, I, I would think, good-natured, were like, well, we don't want to do this. 
But eventually they find themselves in that position where they're like, and they actually call out to the Lord. They each serve a different God, a different deity, and it says that they call out to the Lord, to Yahweh, to the Most High, and say, you know, forgive us for what we're about to do. And then they toss Jonah overboard, and it says that the sea grew calm, and they feared the Lord. The storm, though terrifying and destructive, was actually an act of God's grace for Jonah and for these Sailors, God commands the seas to redirect this rebellious prophet, and God will use the storms in your life to redirect your course. He will use hardship, and he will use trial, and he will use difficulties to turn us back to himself. Now, in this instance, in Jonah's story, the storm was, was created by God. And I'm not saying that God always does that. I'm not saying that every storm that we experience is, is God's creation. Every hardship, every difficulty. I'm not saying that, although here, in Jonah's case, in the case of a rebellious prophet, he created a storm to correct Jonah. We must understand that God's heart here in his action is corrective out of love. Whenever you read the scriptures and you come to those points in the scriptures that are maybe a little uncomfortable or a little hard to digest or a little hard to understand, especially when it comes to the nature of God, you look to Christ because the Bible says in Colossians that he is the image of the invisible God. And what you see in Christ is a gracious, merciful, compassionate, loving God. And so the scriptures even say, I think it's in James, that God corrects those he loves. He disciplines those that he loves. And so we see God using a storm to get Jonah's attention, to redirect him. And even for these sailors, it's this act of grace that shows them that he is the true God. He is the true Lord whom they are to worship. And they go from praying to their own gods to fearing and worshiping the Lord. And then we come to our text this prayer, but just before there's this line that says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. What I love about this, and, and I shared this in our series, is this miraculous event, and that's truly what it is, a miraculous event, where Jonah's in this belly of this great fish for three days and lives to tell about it, is really a giant object lesson for the city of Nineveh. If you remember, I shared this in our series back on Jonah. The people of Nineveh worshipped Dagon. In ancient mythology, Dagon was the father of Baal. You would know Baal or remember Baal from Old Testament scriptures. The Philistines often worshipped the god Baal. Dagon in mythology was the father of Baal. And he was known as the fish god. And he was represented at, by, in statues and imagery as a half man, half fish, or like this fish with a man coming out. And Jonah here in this story finds himself as a man in a great fish. What God is about to show the people of Nineveh is the very thing that you worship, I rule over. The very thing that, that garners your time and attention and, and focus, I command. He, he sends a man into a fish and delivers man out of fish to a people who worship a fish man, 
to show them that he is the true God. Giant object lesson. I imagine that Jonah probably cleaned off before he went to the city of Nineveh, but what if he didn't? That, like, I know sometimes you get a smell on you, and that's hard to get out, right? Out, hard to get out of some fabrics and some clothing and get frustrated. You try to soak it and do whatever you bleach. I don't know if they had a kind of bleach back then. I don't know. Maybe they used some essential oils, but they didn't call them essential oils. They just called them oils or something to get the smell out, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he just went, and he reeked of whale vomit fish vomit. That would have spoke to the people, right? So Jonah is falling down to the depths of the sea, and God provides a huge fish to rescue him. So here he is. He's resisting God. He's fleeing the will of God. He's headed in the other direction. He's ignoring the storm. He's ignoring the frightened sailors. He's taking a nap. They reveal, it's revealed to them that it's him. He gets tossed overboard. Now he's sinking to the bottom of the sea to drown and die. And in his lowest spot, as he hits the bottom of his circumstance, he cries out to God in repentance. He hits his bottom, and he cries out to God. And what is revealed in his prayer is that God meets him right there at the bottom. It says this, In my distress, he said in his prayer, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Even in the deepest valley at his lowest moment, God is fully aware and attentive and able to save. And I would even say that it's it's almost as if God was there in the circumstance waiting for him, waiting for the, the things to pile up, waiting for him to finally hit his bottom so that the moment he cried out, he was ready to respond. God isn't dissuaded by your mess. He's present with you. He's present. And he is, he's able to help you from your bottom. He's able to help you in your lowest lows. And if your lowest low happens to be because of your own wrongdoing like Jonah, he's ready to respond to a repentant prayer and a repentant heart. What are the first words out of Jesus when he began his ministry? It was an I show you love. It was repent. Repent. It was the first words out of the mouth of Jesus. For the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Turn. Turn away from chasing after, as Jonah says, worthless idols. And turn back to the Father who loves you and is ready to save you. Now, this prayer that we have in the belly of the fish that we have in this um, story is really the second prayer that Jonah prays. The first one would have been when he's sinking to the bottom would have been, you know, probably not audible because he's surrounded by water. Probably heartfelt, probably desperate, maybe like a prayer of Jabez, a desperate prayer, probably because he's sinking down to die. But then this prayer is Jonah retracing his steps. It's him retracing his downward spiral and his repentance and his renewed commitment. So I'm going to read it again for you. It says this with some context now, right? In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. 
From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. He's in a fish as he prays this. And all your waves and breakers swept over me. So he's recognizing God's act in his circumstances. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. There's a, there's a repentance there. There's a, there's a turn. There's a change. The engulfing waters, they threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I wonder if that wasn't just like poetic, but he's like, it quite literally was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me my life from the pit. So he's recounting God's salvation and provision from the bottom. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you and my prayer rose to you. Let me repeat that. When my life seemed to be gone was being stripped away. I'm at the lowest point. There's nothing left for me. I can't do anything now. I remembered you, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So he's recognizing that God is a God of love. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed I will make good. What I, I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Now, the beautiful thing about this story, and we often overlook, is that God's provision for Noah, Noah Jonah, God's provision for Jonah came in the most unlikely way. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and we look at our life And we can't see God's provision because we're looking for like this picturesque Hollywood kind of thing where where it's the end of Job's story where Job gets double blessed and we're like, well, my bank account's not full of money and my relationship is still stressed and my job is still, uh, so God's not providing. Jonah is in a giant fish in a belly. I would be thinking that those, the, you know, the acid in the stomach would probably be tearing me apart. But he's seen it as God's provision. I remember I was at an overflow conference years ago, and there was a gentleman there, pastor, who was doing one of the, the um, workshops. And we got to talking a little bit, and he had mentioned that his church just went through the Jonah series. He was a young pastor. I think he was like maybe early 20s, like a, like a youth pastor. And, and I said, oh, that's great. I love that. I love that. And our church had just gone through it too. And we were at the time, this is years ago, at the time we were, we were talking about this thing, how God's provision can often come in unexpected ways. And I said, what I love about the story of Jonah is that God provided a fish to save him. And he looked at me like, what? The fish wasn't God's provision. Why would God provide a fish? And I was just so caught off guard. I'm like, that's what the, have you read the story? Now God provided a fish to swallow him whole. And I say all this to say, church, because often we're looking for other ways for God to provide. 
when God's provision, especially in these kind of bottoms, often comes in unimaginable ways. And that might look different for each of us. For Jonah, it was the stomach of a great fish or whale. For you, it might be different. I love what Joanna had said. I'm not sorry, I'm picking on you. But what you had said last night during prayer, how God reminded you of all the different things that you had yet to be thankful for. And I I think that's so true of us. We don't look at our life and see the ways that God has blessed and provided and aided because we're still playing the comparison game, right? Well, I don't have that yet, and I'm not there yet, and my circumstance isn't like that, so therefore God hasn't provided when he has. So he's in this fish, and he's praying this prayer, recounting his experience of going down, his experience of repentance and God's provision. He doesn't even know if he's going to get out yet. I think he has an idea, though. And it says this, the last line after he prays, it says, and the Lord commanded the fish. There's the Lord again, ruling over the thing that the Ninevites worship. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And it's here in this moment, in this low spot, that Jonah begins to understand something I think is important for us to understand as well. Our capacity to ascend from our bottoms, to climb out of those low spots, often only becomes apparent to us after we have traced our journey of descent in prayer with God. After we look back and say, where have I come from? After we've walked out the journey with God in repentance and prayer. As Jonah was recounting his experience and reflecting over what had happened, that is when deliverance came a second time and he was vomited out of the fish. I think often that our our rise up, our turning point, our our looking back up, our growth moment, our, our coming out of the pit, so to speak, is when we retrace with God, when we finally get to the place where we stop and we say, how did I get here? Lord, how did I get here? What brought me to this spot? We finally come to the Lord with it, and we reflect and recount. It's prayer in these moments that often acknowledges I'm not where I want to be. I'm not who I want to be. And God responds to that. Prayer ascends to God, and by it we are lifted up. Prayer that reaches for God can be lifting to our spirits, and it can be lifting in our circumstances. And through prayer like this, you're asking for that capacity to change and to improve and to grow and to be lifted up and out. And that's what gives mountaintops their shape. That's when setbacks become setups. Because we finally call out to God in repentance and in prayer. You know, when I reflect and I think about like the church in the West evangelical churches. We talk a lot about our problems. We whine a lot about our problems. We worry a lot about our problems. We post a lot about our problems. We wellow in pity about our problems. But do we ever stop and really call out to God? 
Maybe we even ask others for prayer. But do we ever just finally hit that place where, like Jonah's like, I got nothing left. And he's fine. Sometimes it takes a bottom, right? I got nothing left. But have you called out to him? Like, have you, have you cried out to the Lord? Have you repented? Like, Jonah's repenting for his wrong. Understanding that God used these circumstances to redirect him. And then was grateful for God's provision. Now, let me laser focus for a moment. This could have been avoided if Jonah just acted in obedience. It was his rebellion and his sin and his resistance that brought about these circumstances. He ran from God, and because he ran from God, he hit this low. You know, often our lows are the result of our choices, our sinful disobedience. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're outside of our control. But often they're because of sin compiling in our lives. Maybe you're here and, and, and you're there. You're at a bottom because of some choices. And you feel like Jonah, and this prayer kind of speaks to you. Hear this prayer. God is able to rescue you and bring you out. It's not the end for you. That's not the end. Your choices may have got you there, but that is not the end of your story. God has purpose. He's able to deliver you. He's able to save you. Jonah cried out. He admitted his wrong. He confessed his sin. He repented of his ways. It took a bit, but God met him there. You know, I love the story of the prodigal son who takes his inheritance and he leaves this father and he goes and he squanders it all and tries to live up life and then he's got nothing left. He hits the bottom. He's eaten with pigs as a servant. And he thinks back to his father and his father's home and he goes, oh man, even my father's servants eat better than this. Maybe I'll go back and he'll hire me. And Jesus is telling this story to illustrate a couple things, right? One is to the Pharisees who end up being the older brother that are upset that the father welcomes back the son, but it illustrates beautifully the heart of the father. Because the son returns in the story and it says the father, when he saw him a far way off, ran to him. That immediately makes me think two things. Number one is in that culture, men did not run like that to children in circumstances. It was unbecoming. But here is the Father, and the Father is the Lord, is God willing to run to you when he sees you turn back to him. Second thing is the Father was waiting. Waiting. He knows your circumstance, church. He knows your low. He knows your bottom. He knows the choices that you made that got you there, if that's you. And he is waiting for you to turn back in repentance. So that the moment you do, just like the father to the prodigal son, he will run to you and welcome you and love on you and provide for you when you have a repentant heart. He's a good father. He 
He's a good father who provides. When we say, I've done wrong, forgive me. So maybe you're here today and that's you. We're gonna we're gonna take a moment in prayer. Man, maybe we could just just do that. So I think that's really good. Just keep playing like that. We're gonna we're gonna sing a song, but I think I think we just need a moment with God in prayer. And maybe that's you today. And and you've done wrong. You've made poor choices. There's sin in your life that you have yet to repent and bring to God. You've yet to turn from. That repentance isn't just confession, right? Confession is acknowledgement. Repent is to turn from. It's to go the opposite direction. Bring it to the Lord and let him lift you up out of that spot. And it may, church, let me say this. Just because you have a moment in prayer and repentance and you, and you feel the warmth and comfort embrace of a loving father doesn't mean that when you walk out these doors, things are going to be peachy keen. Like, Jonah's still covered in whale vomit. Who knows where, he, where he, the, the whale sp- fish spit him back out. He might have had to pay more money to get back to where he needed to be. Like, he had to pay for his con- the consequences. So, just because you have a, a moment with God in repentance doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with the consequences of your actions. But the heart of the Father is for you and directed to you, and he's ready to forgive you and aid you and help you as you move on. So maybe you're here today. I just want to create space in prayer for you to bow your head and to bring that to God. And maybe you're here and you feel like you're in a low and and you're not sure if it was your own doing, like, you can bring that to God. God, did I do something? Have I? That's retracing the steps, the downward spiral. What did I do to get here? If there's sin in me, reveal it to me so I can bring it to you. Is there something in me that I need to, to repent of and turn from? Show me. That is repentance in and of itself. God, is there something in my nature that I need to turn from and turn towards you? So I want to pray, and then we're just going to create a couple minutes for us to, to be there. And if you're not there, if you feel like, hey, this is good, but that's not me, well, and bring that to the Lord, because you never know. But then pray for those who are. Maybe there's someone in this room. Maybe there's someone listening online. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know that they're like a Jonah, and they're running. They're fleeing, and they're paying great cost to avoid God. Pray for them. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Jonah. Lord, we thank you for this prayer, what it reveals and shows us. And today, as we just take a moment, God, to repent and to turn back to you, God, would you meet us right now in this space? Lord, I just pray for for all of us, God, if there's something in us that, that is hindering us, and holding us back. Your word says to throw off those things. God, reveal those things to us that would aid us in our journey of faith. For someone specifically who's in a bottom, I pray that this moment with you would be like Jonah's moment of salvation and deliverance. It'd be the beginning of the journey back up out of the pit. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord.
We commit this space to you in Jesus' name. Come on, would you just spend time with the Lord? Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.